RTHK News. It's one o'clock, I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines, Beijing hits out at a proposed student referendum on whether to boycott classes over the national security law. The British Foreign Secretary says Hong Kong has experienced its greatest period of turmoil since the handover and the Transport Secretary hints that he considered stepping down over the Sharting to Central link construction scandal. Beijing has sharply criticised a proposed student referendum on whether to boycott classes over the national security law. Violet Wong reports. In an article entitled Chop Off the Black Hand, Save the Kiss, the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office said pro-independence activists were trying to use pupils to stop the law's passage. It was especially critical of Demosistos Joshua Wong and Isaac Cheng, who were accused of holding the referendum under the name of the Hong Kong Secondary Students' Action Platform. It also lambasted the education system, saying it had deviated from the correct direction of one country, two systems, with pro-independence and pro-violence thinking spreading on campus. The liaison office also published an article online opposing what it called a radical group, which it said was behind petition signing and class boycotts. It says some political bodies had brought politics onto campus, thereby dealing a heavy blow to teaching and learning. The office said it firmly supported moves by the SAR government to step up education on the constitution, the basic law and national security. British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab says Hong Kong has experienced its greatest period of turmoil since the handover. In a UK six-monthly report on Hong Kong, he repeated his concerns over Beijing imposing national security laws here, saying there was still time for China to reconsider and step back from the brink. Vicky Wong reports. In his foreword to the report, the Foreign Secretary said the public unrest in Hong Kong couldn't be seen purely as a security and economic issue. He urged the government to resolve tensions through political dialogue, while at the same time saying violence and vandalism from protesters was unacceptable. He said he hoped September's Legislative Council elections would be free and fair. He also said public trust in the police was at an all-time low. The anti-extradition protests feature heavily in the report. It also mentions the detention on the mainland of British consulate staffer Simon Cheng, saying this amounted to torture. In response, the Hong Kong government said the report contained inaccurate and biased remarks on the national security law and the high degree of autonomy enjoyed by the city. Amnesty International is calling for greater scrutiny of what it calls the shadowy and poorly regulated global trade in tear gas. The Human Rights Group says it's fueling human rights violations by police against protesters all over the world. But Amnesty's report singles out Hong Kong as an example of where tear gas has been used excessively and inappropriately, as Richard Pine reports. Patrick Wilkin, an arms control researcher with the group, says they've seen tear gas being used against peaceful protesters inside hospitals and universities, as well as canisters being fired directly at protesters around the world. He says there's been an upsurge in the misuse of less lethal equipment globally, with police using it repressively to deny people's right to peaceful protest. And Mr Wilkins says compared with other countries and regions, the use of tear gas in Hong Kong was the most high-profile, with many examples of excessive use. There was the Citic Tower incident where protesters didn't have any safe exit and there was desperation on the ground as the police fired tear gas and also the metro station incident where, again, it was a confined space where tear gas is in heavy concentration and, and people 
struggle to avoid its effects. What we've seen in Hong Kong is repeated excessive use on protesters that in many instances were completely peaceful, in other instances were largely peaceful. He says they view this as a complete and utter disregard for international standards on the use of force and an abuse of a very potent weapon. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Cheng says the government should put more resources into elderly care homes so the use of restraints such as wrist straps and straitjackets can be minimised. He made the comments after the Medical Council found six private doctors guilty of signing off on restraining procedures for elderly care home residents in 2016 without the proper assessment. The watchdog found the doctor's signatures and chops on incomplete forms, with key information such as medical notes and even the patient's name and date missing. Dr Chen told Priscilla Ung that the recent revelation was just the tip of the iceberg. He said the improper use of these restraints could have very serious consequences. Physically, if you tied up people for a long time, uh, there would be inflations. Uh, immobility would uh, weaken the muscle. And in the long run, even people could lose their functions or abilities to uh, walk. Also, uh, psychologically, it caused a lot of damage. And they, it makes them lose the functions and lose the ability to care for themselves. And also, in the end, it makes them lose the will to live on. Transport Secretary Frank Chan has hinted that he considered stepping down over the shot into Central Link construction scandal, but that he finally decided to stay on. Pro-Democracy lawmakers said the minister should have resigned long ago as LegCo's Finance Committee considered whether to approve an extra $10 billion for the MTR project. Mr Chan spoke to an interpreter. How much responsibility should we take and how it should be handled depends on the severity and the scale and also the role of the official in question. I thought about this political accountability. I thought about how to go about this, but this is a difficult time. I'm going to stay. I will lead my team to follow up this matter seriously in the hope that before the term of the current term government expires, we can complete the remaining works of the shutting to central links. Democratic Party lawmakers have called on the chief executive to appear in LegCo next Monday to take questions about the national security laws that Beijing is preparing for Hong Kong. They say no representatives elected by the Hong Kong people have been consulted over the matter and they claim that Carrie Lam has failed to reflect the concerns of people here to Beijing. The administration has already rejected a similar demand by the Civic Party, saying it was too early for the CE to answer questions when details of the law had yet to be announced. Democratic Party lawmaker James Toe said the, that explanation was absurd, as many top officials had been giving assurances about the law outside LegCo. They should come at the earliest possible occasion and also present their view in a formal constitutional venue that is LegCo. You can imagine an, an so absurd situation that after the law has been promulgated, we cannot even find a word, a debate, a question in our official proceedings of LegCo. So she should come hopefully, next Monday. Three Demosisto members have been found guilty of disorderly behaviour in the legislature during a hearing on the National Anthem Bill last year. Mike Weeks reports. 
Eastern Court found Demosisto members Isaac Cheng, Ho Sao Yi, and Ng Ka Yi guilty of failing to behave in an orderly manner within the precincts of LegCo during a public hearing of the National Anthem Bill in March last year. They were each fined $1,000. The court heard the three rushed to the chairman's seat during the hearing. Magistrate Ho Chun Yu said their actions affected the dignity of LegCo and briefly interrupted the meeting. But the court didn't impose prison terms after after considering their behaviour, caused only mild interruptions and they were not acting out of self-interest. The court also acquitted Ho Sao Yi of common assault against a security guard, saying surveillance video didn't show any physical contact between the two. Pro-democracy veteran Lee Chuk Yan is calling for a boycott of video conferencing services by Zoom after the company admitted to suspending accounts at the request of Beijing. In a statement, Zoom said it temporarily shut three accounts after Beijing asked for four video meetings to be ended on commemorations for June the 4th. Zoom said it was the only way to block people from the meetings, but it didn't shut a fourth because it contained no participants from the mainland. Mr Li, the leader of the alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements in China, was one of those locked out of his account. He demanded Zoom refund his annual subscription fee. I call upon people to boycott it because people criticize me for using Zoom in the first place because they said that it's not secure. But the reason for me to use Zoom is because it can reach into Chinese audience. And then now, since they are blocking the Chinese participants, so there's no point actually to use Zoom anymore. So in that case, I want to withdraw my subscription. I have paid for one year, I think about more than $1,000. I have only used it for three months, so they should return pro rata the subscription money to me. An advisory body for the Education Bureau says the EDB can train new teachers about their role, values and conduct starting from September. Sylvia Chan, a member of the Committee on Professional Development of Teachers and Principals, was commenting on yesterday's announcement that the Bureau would train teachers on such matters. But Education Sector Lawmaker Ibkin Yoon questioned whether there were political motives, saying teachers already learned how to be professional while studying at a tertiary level. He said the Bureau's proposed training should take place in schools. What the professional development program should do is to help the teachers to deal with the actual situation. So the task force has suggested the induction program should be conducted in a school-based manner. A professor of management and innovation says he doesn't see any long-term viability of Ocean Park. Given regional competition, its over-reliance on mainland tourists and a lack of diversity in its business. Struggling theme park reopens tomorrow since its closure in January due to the coronavirus. It received a government bailout of $5 billion last month. But Howard Yu from IMD Business School in Switzerland says the park has failed to reinvent itself. There's this over-reliance on Chinese tourists, right? And even before that, there's already emerging newer theme park around the region, which reduced the uniqueness of Ocean Park itself. So it's the classic competition from newcomers into the region. It's the over-reliance on one single business model, exploiting it to the extreme. And the third I would add is Ocean Park really have never taken advantage of digitization, alternative business model ahead of time. Finance and a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,185. That's 292 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $65 billion. 
US dollar is trading at 107.12 yen. Euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 74 cents. Sport now. Here's Adam Chung. Football in Spain's La Liga has resumed following a three-month stoppage because of coronavirus. Third place Sevilla hosted Real Betis in a local derby, where pre-recorded crowd noise, supplied by video game company EA Sports, was played in speakers around the MT Stadium. Lucas Ocampo opened scoring with a penalty that was followed by Fernando's header. Both goals came in a span of six second-half minutes, and Sevilla went on to win 2-0. La Liga president Javier Teba says they hope to have supporters back in the stands by the end of the season. There are two games on the schedule tonight before the leaders Barcelona visit Mallorca tomorrow. Second place Real Madrid hosts Ibar on Sunday. Athletics has returned following its break due to the pandemic with a special virtual meeting in Norway. Organizers called it the impossible games. Competitors also took part in France and in Kenya with their performances played on a screen in a stadium in Oslo. The highlight of the event came when the home Norwegian athlete Karsten Warholm broke the world record in the 300-meter hurdles. The BBC's Eddie Edidoyan explains. It was billed as a night in which records could fall and the Norwegian athletes delivered in fine style. Carsten Warholm, the 400 meters hurdles world champion, set a new world record over the rarely run 300 meter hurdles. In what was effectively a time trial as he raced alone, the Norwegian clocked 33.78 seconds, well inside the previous record, which had stood for 18 years. The 2000 meters was a team race which pitted the Ingebrigtsen brothers in Oslo against a Kenyan team featuring world champions Timothy Chariot and Elijah Manangoy in Nairobi. And it was the Norwegians who came out on top, Jakob Ingebrigtsen breaking the European record in the process. Golf's PGA Tour is back in business with the Charles Schwab Challenge in Texas. No fans were in attendance. England's Justin Rose is amongst the early leaders after firing a first round seven under par 63. I think for me the key was, you know, getting off to a good start. Although my game wasn't great the first few holes, you know, I made a couple of putts. I knocked one in off from just off the green on my very first hole of the day and sort of looked at my caddy and went, welcome back. NHL hockey has taken the next step towards completing the pandemic delayed season. The league and its players union have agreed to open training camps on the 10th of July. Both sides have already approved a 2014 playoff format but still need to decide on testing and safety protocols along with potential venues for the games. Camps are expected to last two weeks. Exhibition games could begin as early as July 24th, with playoff games starting roughly a week later. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Beijing hits out as a proposed student referendum on whether to boycott classes over the national security law. The British Foreign Secretary says Hong Kong has experienced its greatest period of turmoil since the handover. And the Transport Secretary hints that he considered stepping down over the Sharting to Central Link construction scandal. That's the news from RTHK. I walked into the party. I seen some I never saw. Everybody was moving, grooving, girls. They were dancing on the bar.
Welcome to the 123 Show. I'm Sadio Osmani, sitting in for Noreen Mir today. It's Friday. Yay. Hope you're looking forward to the weekend. We had a good boppy start to the program today. That was Red Foo and Juicy Wiggle. And my thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And have I got a packed show for you today? Just after 1.30, I'll be joined in the studio by some real movers and shakers. Caesar Jung Harada, Maria Lee Locke. Yi and Chiki Bhavnani from Maker Bay will be joining me and they've got some amazing innovative spaces and projects in Hong Kong and they're reaching out to communities. I will say no more because it's exciting stuff and they will tell you all about it when they come in. Then after 2pm my guest in the studio will be Emmanuel Farsi.